VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm Sammy Jacobs. Alongside me is TJ Inman, and this is the pregame show for the Indiana-Michigan matchup. Uh, we decided to put uh, Kim and Mark Holinsky's podcast on its own. It was just too important um, to sandwich it in the Michigan pregame. So we'll put them out separately, which will give our, our listeners a, a second podcast to listen to uh, this week. Um, if you haven't listened to if you're listening to the Michigan pregame and you haven't listened to that podcast, I really recommend going to listen to um, to theirs, uh, to, to that podcast with with the Helinski's uh, and Helinski's hope uh, and, and the story over there uh, for, for mental health week in, in college football and college sports. Uh, so, so go over and, and do that. I can't plug it enough. That was a tremendous uh, podcast with, with a tremendously powerful message uh, and things like that, but let's get to football TJ uh, Indiana loses a, a real tough one at Nebraska uh, 35-21. It, it's it's a game IU let Nebraska hang around. Uh, they they scored on a uh, a pump block, a long touchdown pass again uh, late in the game. Well, with 13, 13 and change uh, left in the fourth quarter, and then added mm-hmm. a uh, you know an insurance touchdown there uh, later in the fourth quarter. Michigan comes in. They're five and zero. They're sitting at number four in the country. They just went to and won uh, for the four, first time since 2005 in Iowa City. Uh, what's your initial thoughts on this game against Michigan? Well, uh, it's a very tall order for Indiana. Uh, fans of, of the program certainly know that uh, this has been a one-sided uh, matchup for I mean, largely since the two teams started playing in 1900, uh, Indiana has has beaten them one time uh, in my lifetime. So not exactly a, a team that I use used to beating. And that's uh, this is a Michigan team that, you know, they've, they've got their head screwed on straight. It's a program that knows who they are, knows what they're doing. Uh, the last time I you beat them, uh, you know, things looked like they were not going to uh, work out the way that Michigan had hoped with Jim Harbaugh, and really since that uh, since that season, they've been you know one of the five best teams in the country, uh, and they've looked that way this year. I mean, it's a really uh, physical team, strong running game led by Blake Corum, who leads the country in rushing touchdowns with ten of them. Uh, the defense is, as you would expect, really good, uh, very fundamentally sound group. They don't have any stats that really jump off the page as a defense however they are good in everything top 15 in every major statistical category uh, as a defense so not necessarily elite at anything on defense just really good at everything you need to be uh, on the defensive side of the ball I think the only potential hole that you look at is maybe a lack of explosive weapons in the passing game um, and and if you can get them into third and long situations by making them one-dimensional, stopping that running game or slowing it down, 
getting third and longs and pressuring J.J. McCarthy, who's still pretty inexperienced as a quarterback. You know, that's probably going to be your best chance against this team. But uh, for IU, it's it's hard to find a path to victory. Yeah, and it's just staggering, kind of kind of staggering to think the last time Michigan was in Bloomington, um, yeah. It was 2020, and they walked out with, with a, a – you could say IU kicked their butts because uh, they did. Yep. A, a lopsided loss, uh, 38-21, um, and it looked like everything was going right for Indiana. Fast forward two years later, it looks like everything's going wrong for, for Indiana, uh, and it, it just is it, – it's – you're right. It is hard to find a, a path to victory. Um, you know, you cling to the hope that a lot of these players are the same players that were on that team uh, in 2020. Obviously, the quarterback is different. There's some different offensive linemen as well uh, and, and coaches and, and things like that. But the core of this defense is largely, you know, the same um, with a few pieces in and out. Uh, it, it's just if you would have told me after that day that Michigan would be a top four team with Jim Harbaugh still, still as the head coach uh, coming off a big 10 title and a college football playoff appearance while Indiana is coming off a two and 10 season and is sitting at three and two um, staring three and three at the face. And, and, you know, the fan base is, is putting Tom Allen on the hot seat. I, I probably would have called you crazy. Uh, it, it's just such a, a polar polar opposite of where they were, um, you know, just less than two years two years ago, when uh, when Michigan came to town. Absolutely, yeah, it, it certainly is. And credit to uh, to Jim Harbaugh for changing a lot of the staff uh, around him. That's something that um, you know he was hesitant to do but don brown was was shown the door uh defensive coordinator brought in a you know they they had another defensive coordinator now i mean mike mcdonald uh, exited after a year as well but um that was due to him being highly desired and and uh, as opposed to not performing uh, the offense really switched identities as well uh but they're still at the core kind of a, a smash mouth team that wants to physically impose their will on you. Uh, and that's going to be kind of the first thing for Indiana to do is stand up to the Michigan offensive line and the Michigan running game uh, and, and try to make them beat them through the air. Uh, if Michigan has their way, they will run the ball 50 plus times on Saturday and, and just pound Indiana into submission. That's the way that they want to play this game. Uh, if Indiana defends the run like they have at times this season, they'll do pretty well against it. But we've also seen the run defense get gashed at times as they, you know, over adjust and, and try to uh, stop the run and then give up big pass plays. I mean, it's the defense has really been um, puzzling for me because you've got such a veteran group with Tom Allen leading the way and you, you feel really good about your secondary group, but they've given up some just head-scratching big plays as a result of either personnel or miscommunication or uh, uh, 
Tom Allen mentioned that they may have been fatigued in the second half against Nebraska, which I don't no, particularly buy I don't because buy, I don't buy that at I all. I mean, they, they rotate. No, they they rotate constantly. I mean, if they were fatigued in a night game where it's not hot uh, against a Nebraska team that, I mean, shouldn't really that offense should not be causing you fatigue as a defense. Uh, if they were fatigued, then they've got to look at another area of the program, and that would be the conditioning. So I don't think that that was necessarily, you know, reality. Um, but as we get into kind of keys to the game, I mean, I think it has to start with containing Blake Corum and slowing Blake Corum down. Uh, he does lead the nation in rushing touchdowns, like I mentioned. In addition, he's among the leaders in yards per carry. Uh, they do have other good backs, but Blake Corum is going to be the bell cow. And if you do not slow him down, you do not have a chance of stopping this Michigan offense. So I, I think it's got to start there with IU matching the physicality of the Michigan Wolverines. That's key number one for me. Yeah, key number one for me is going to be don't beat yourself. Um, I, I think in, uh, Tom Allen today in his press conference on Zoom uh, called them cats, yeah. crimes against yep. the team. Uh, and, you know, there's – there's penalties that happen, you know, sometimes a holding happens or you grab a face mask while the guy's running by and it, it happens. Um, sure. it, you don't like it, but it, it, it happens. I wouldn't call it a crime against the team, but the selfish penalties, the personal fouls, the, you know, getting maybe trying to do so much, you know, so much, um, uh, on offensive defense, trying to do somebody else's job, uh, maybe not being as focused or, you know, as ready as you should be. Those are crimes against the team. Um, I think Indiana's that the first key of the game is eliminate those. If you could eliminate those and get off to a good start, which means you don't let Michigan go down the field in three plays on their first drive and score, and you don't go three and out on offense, get in, you know, let settle into the game. Um, I think it's an you didn't Indiana, like that. Yeah, you didn't I, like that. Start. I did not. No. no, I mean it was kind of predictable. Look, it was um, Wisconsin, Nebraska had two two weeks to prepare, so they're going to scheme you up on the first drive. After that, IU settled in. But what they couldn't do on offense was come out, not be ready, have to call a timeout before running a play, and go three and out. Um, you know, it, it's Nebraska's loud. I get it. Um, but IU has, these guys have played in loud environments. They've played at the big house. They played, um, you know, Connor Bazelak has played SEC road games. It, it's not like that they, they've played in a bubble, uh, their, their entire careers. So to say that the crowd noise, you know, affected that they didn't get the playoff in time or the play clock started, you know, that rule has been around for a few years now. You have to know that rule. You know, yeah, that timeout was a crime against the team. Um, and yeah. those are the things that can't happen. You can't, you have to, you know, cause the fan, if that happens on the first drive, all the air in Memorial stadium is going to be sucked out. Uh, it's going to be the opposite of what happened at Nebraska where that just juiced up that that crowd and IU, you know, they they let Nebraska in uh, stay in that game with a, a pump block touchdown with a long touchdown 
And, and are you paid for it? You paid for it with a loss. Uh, and, and maybe that's a lesson learned, uh, but we'll see. It, it, it's some, it can't happen. IU has to, and I'm not saying IU is going to win the game, but if IU mm-hmm. can come out and put a decent drive together on their first drive and keep Michigan off the scoreboard on their first drive, that's a win for the Hoosiers. That's you're, you're going to get the fans settled into the game. You're going to get yourself settled into the game and you're going to give yourself a shot to maybe pull an upset. Um, but there are a lot more keys, uh, keys to go. TJ, what's your second key to this game? You know, I'm really approaching this game and I don't suggest Indiana should do this, but as a fan, I'm allowed to, I'm approaching this game with what can Indiana do as we look forward to the remainder of this schedule uh, and and I want to see offensive personnel put into better positions to succeed. And I, I mean that in terms of the players they put on the field. And I'm looking at you, Jalen Lucas, um, as, as a player that – and Josh Henderson and Sean Shivers. Like, I want to see some creativity on offense to try and solve the offensive line issue. I think that we are at the point of the season where the offensive line kind of is what it is. Yes, they can continue to juggle personnel there, I guess. Hopefully that happens. But I don't think it's realistic to say, oh, look, the offensive line went out against Michigan and had an awesome game. Everything's better. I, I, it's not going to happen. You know, I mean, they, they, might, they might improve, and that's certainly the hope. But to, to magically turn into a good offensive line, I don't see it happening. So what I want to see is how can Walt Bell continue to try and find ways to maximize what the offense can do and what the offensive line can do. And it's something we talked a lot about all offseason. I've seen it some, and I'm not here saying, oh, Walt Bell's doing a bad job. I don't think that's the case. Um, but I would, I would love to see – an increased versatility in the personnel and the types of packages that Indiana's putting onto the field to get some guys in space to ball, guys like Henderson, guys like Jalen Lucas. Uh, if you have Camper and Matthews out, again, I don't know. Put Jalen Lucas at slot receiver and try and throw him a couple of bubble screens and see what happens. Uh, I, I'm obviously tossing out ideas. Coaches are going to know certainly way better than I am, uh, but I want to see how Indiana can attack this defense moving forward, what they can put on film and what they can put into game plans. It's going to maximize the personnel that they have and try and make the most out of the offensive line that they've got. Because right now, lining up and trying to run the ball, lining up and having Connor Bazelak chuck it 60 times a game at a completion percentage sub 60%, it's not going to get it done against Big Ten defenses. And unless adjustments are made, it's hard to find another couple of victories on this schedule. I do think that pieces are in place, that some adjustments could be made, and I hope to see some of that on Saturday against a very good defense, but still one that I think IU can have some success against uh, and build some confidence heading into the Maryland game. Yeah, it's it's a game you don't – you hate admitting that you probably have to punt this one um, because at some point you you, you can't do that. Um, at some right. point, no, 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 you, no. you know, you can't get used to punting games and and all that stuff. 
but you have to be realistic too. Um, Cam Camper and DJ Matthews were called game time decisions uh, today by Tom Allen. So th- today is Thursday. On Thursday by by Tom Allen, um, do you? And it's a hamstring injury for DJ Matthews. Do you bring him back? That's the question. Do you bring him back to maybe have a shot to keep it close against Michigan, or do you wait and give it another week? To now you have a weapon like DJ Matthews against Maryland, who, um, you know, they're, they're good. They're better than last year uh, and, and they're playing well, but you could have, you know, you probably have a better shot at beating Maryland than you do it at beating Michigan, especially with a, a healthy DJ Matthews and a healthy camp camper as well. Um, it was an illness for a non COVID related illness for camp camper. Uh, so we'll see, but you know, that I'd like to see Josh Sales um, in for Parker Hanna. Parker Hanna cannot play. He just you cannot. Ha- I go with the young guy and live with the young guy um, and, and see what happens because Parker Hanna is out of this program at the end of the year. And you know, at the very least, you get Josh Sales uh, for another couple years, and you're going to get him Big Ten reps um, that are. Oh, so valuable, uh, you know, for the future. Um, my second key, TJ, is to force takeaways on defense. Michigan uh, has not given the ball away all that much this right. year, and it's um, it's imperative to steal possessions from them. Uh, you know, J.J. Uh, McCarthy, he's a young guy. He's played very well, but it, it, he's still a young guy. He has not thrown an interception this year. Uh, Indiana has to force him into some throws, maybe disguise coverages and, and things like that. But Indiana's secondary is – I can't say they're good anymore because they're ranked last in the Big Ten. But they're too talented to, – the one, too talented to be ranked last in the Big Ten in passing yards against. And they're too talented yeah. not to have – um, opportunities at at interceptions, at getting fumbles, um, and, and things like that. So that's they have to create. Uh, they have to create the takeaways, and that's that's how upsets happen. Is you create takeaways and you score off the of takeaways. It takes points off the board uh, for the other team and puts points on the board. Uh, hopefully for you, uh, Michigan is plus four in the turnover margin. They have um, only lost one fumble and one interception all year. Um, And the interception came uh, for Caden McNamara, who IU might see later in the game if it gets out of hand, but um, it's, it's uh, Indiana secondary has got to, got to create some havoc plays uh, in there as well. Uh, Final, final key to the game, TJ. I was actually going to go with takeaways as well. It's the great equalizer for you um, in games like this. I mean, Penn State last week against a very pedestrian, if I'm being kind, uh, Northwestern team, you know, five turnovers. And they gave Northwestern a shot in that fourth quarter. Northwestern, of course, couldn't come up with the offense to to make those turnovers count. Um, But, you know, 17 to 7 ends up being the final, and that was – entirely because of turnovers on Penn State's part they were sloppy with the ball it was very uh, rainy 
which it will not be in Bloomington on Saturday, so I you won't have that equalizer of the weather. But still, the 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 point of it is you've got to force those takeaways, and then I'll I'll add on, capitalize on those takeaways into points, which is what Northwestern did not do against Penn State to to get that upset. So uh, the turnovers, forcing those into points, and you know I'll I'll toss in a you know red zone offense. When you do get into the red zone, you have to convert for touchdowns. It's a common theme that we continue to harp on, and uh, until it gets solved, I guess we'll have to continue to bring it up every podcast. But, uh, you know, the, the red zone efficiency, they've got to be on point um, with with red zone possessions, turning those into touchdowns. Can't settle for field goals when you do get those opportunities. Yeah, and um, you just can't. Uh, for me, it's also Connor Bazelak's got to play his best game. Uh, and it's yeah. – it's it, accuracy, look, man. It's the accuracy, it's, right? Yep. It's it. That's exactly right. He has the arm strength. He can make all the throws. Uh, we we've seen him make all the throws, but it, it's the accuracy and and consistency of it. There are too many times there's a receiver open, and there's a lot of go routes where the receiver gets a little bit of separation and should be. Um, and should be a completion, a long completion, and uh, and it's overthrown, and and not like off the guy's fingertips. It's overthrown by a couple yards, and, and that's yeah. At least give the guy a chance to to, to catch it. Um, that's been the issue on his interceptions. They've been overthrows. Yeah, one of them went off of Anderson Kobe's hands. It, it was a high throw. Uh, the, the one at Cincinnati um, was an overthrow and then it, just a bad luck interception at, at Nebraska where Javon Swinton looks like he gets knocked unconscious and the defender just picks it out of his arms before he hits the ground. Uh, yeah. So I, it, it's for me, it's Connor Basilek has to play good football. And if you're going to throw the ball 40 to 60 times, you have to complete more than 50% of your passes. Uh, you know, you look at West, what Western Kentucky did and um, Austin Reed, and you go back to last year with, uh, with their quarterback, and they get the ball out quick. They get the ball in space to their playmakers, and they're completing passes at 70 to 80%. Now, they don't have to do that, but you got to be close to – you got to be at 60 or above. And that's when Indiana yeah. was dangerous, was when Michael Penix – and Peyton Ramsey were completing nearly 70% of their passes, getting their playmakers the ball, uh, and, and things like that. And maybe a quarterback change is coming down the pipe. Maybe, it, you know, you, you put Jack Tuttle in, he gives you a little bit more with the legs. Uh, he, his arm is not as strong, but he's been in these games as, as well, and, and he can be accurate. Uh, and uh, hopefully be consistent because you cannot live with Connor Basilak just chucking the ball around, completing, you know, less than, uh, you know, 50% of his passes. Well, you look at the the yards per attempt too. It'd be one thing if it was, you know, nine, 10 yards per attempt and IU was asking him to consistently throw downfield a lot. Then I would point to the offensive system and say, hey, not working. That's not the case. I mean, the yards per attempt are I, 5. I want to say they're at like 5.7. Yeah, yeah, it's under six. I knew that. 
if your yards per attempt, not yards per completion, yards per attempt is under six, that's putting your quarterback in a position to be accurate. That's, I mean, that's, that's not on the system. It's not. That is on the quarterback for not being accurate enough or, or maybe it's an and or also on the receivers for some drops. We do have to point that out. There were some drops against Nebraska. Tom Allen mentioned five of them. That seems accurate. I haven't counted them up. Um, there were certainly some drops. That is a, a fair point to bring up in Basilac's favor. Bottom line, though, if, if Indiana is going to have any chance of keeping it really competitive against Michigan and scaring the Wolverines, you're right. Basilac has to play his best game on Saturday. And I'll add, if Indiana is going to get the six wins against anybody this season, or heck, four or five wins against anybody this season, Basilac's play has to improve uh, for Indiana to get that done. Um, it, it, that completion percentage will not cut it uh, against Big Ten defenses, and that's not because Big Ten defenses are amazing. It's because they have competent offenses that will make IU pay for mistakes on offense, which cost them possessions. Um, and that's that's what the inaccuracy is doing. It's causing three and outs. It's causing punts. It's causing a couple of interceptions, and it's missing out on scoring chances, which otherwise would be points. Uh, it, it has to change. And you know, I said I'm looking at this game as an indicator for the rest of you know what what can we look at from this game for the rest of the season. How Basilac plays is something that we can look at to either have some optimism heading into Maryland or another point of concern heading into that game against the Terrapins after, after Michigan. So uh, that, that's a good one for sure. Um, as we get into predictions, I don't think it's any kind of um, uh, surprise here that I'll be taking Michigan based on uh, the way I was talking. I know the Wolverines right now, last I looked this afternoon, favored by 22 and a half. Um, I think that that is a very reasonable uh, line, I I do think the way that Michigan plays doesn't necessarily lend you to think that they're just going to blow Indiana's doors off. Um, they don't run particularly up tempo, although Indiana does. Uh, it's it's going to be a run heavy attack. If Indiana's unable to to slow it down, they'll just keep pounding it. Uh, so I I think. And I, I do happen to think Indiana is usually pretty good in these types of situations where it's a nobody believes in us, us against the world type thing. Um, I think IU typically handles those fairly well. So I think the Hoosiers will keep it a little bit more uh, competitive than what people think. But I'll I'll go with Michigan getting the win here. Um, uh, I had the score written down. Uh, 38 to 16. 38-16. I think IU moves the ball decently, but has to settle for three field goals plus a touchdown. So 38-16 Wolverines. Yeah, I'm along the, the lines of you. I, I did say 38-10. I'm going to stick to my 38-10 uh, prediction. I, I don't think – like look, uh, Blake Corm's very good. He's scored 10 touchdown passes this year. This game has been so wacky in the last decade. Uh, with overtime games in Bloomington, a snow game up in Ann Arbor, and, and it's been close. Yeah. It's been a lot closer than it has been in, in a long time. Um, yep. 
but I think Michigan is just an all-around better team in a better place as a program as well. And Indiana's kind of on shaky ground. Um, They might be in the game early. I think Michigan pulls away late and ends up winning uh, 38-10. I don't see Jim Harbaugh dropping 40, like 50 or 60 on teams. Um, But it's – it's a, a whole hum take care of business win for Michigan, uh, you know, get out of there. And, and then um, next week, go play uh, Penn state. Yep. This is a, a checkbox game for them. It's a, it's a checkbox game. It's get through this one, check off the box, move on to, uh, to the Nittany lions and a potential top 10 matchup um, that I would guess I haven't seen, but I would guess is, um, you know, a, a primetime contest contender and um, one that will be sort of the first showcase marquee game for Michigan to, to state their claim to the college football playoff uh, for a second straight year. Kind of a point to watch out for for Michigan, though, given how incredibly weak their non-conference schedule was uh, for this season and given the lack of big time win that they're going to get out of the big 10 West, whoever the East champion ends up being, if Michigan loses to Ohio state, and we could say the same for Ohio state perhaps, but they did play Notre Dame. If Michigan loses to Ohio state and it's not like a total nail biter. So they'd be 11 and one big 10 East runners up. Is there enough on their resume? Uh, to to get into the the playoff um i think that that is going to be a concern for them um but that's obviously not relevant to to indiana's program at this point in time so we'll we'll move on for that just something to think about is maybe they look for additional style points on saturday perhaps uh to kind of strengthen their claim going into that penn state game but uh certainly not one that we're anticipating much from for the Hoosiers just what positives or negatives can we take out of what we see on Saturday into our analysis of Maryland yeah it's a a stay healthy maybe put some good things on tape get that yeah the small ball rolling get some momentum you don't have to win for momentum because nobody has you winning this game uh, but just get some momentum going into the next two game stretch, which is Maryland at home and at Rutgers. And just like yep. last year, um, it's an important stretch because after Maryland and Rutgers, you got a you got Penn State at home. Uh, you have to, and then you have to go to Michigan State or Ohio. You have to go to Ohio State, then Michigan State, and then you get Purdue. Uh, of course, in the the old Oak and Bucket game in the finale, and if you could get a couple of these games coming up, uh, you might be able to salvage the season and and get some momentum going in the program, which has, you know, basically no forward momentum right now, and and maybe save some some people's tenures at Indiana and and things like that. So uh, tough grind for Indiana this week. Uh, games at noon. Uh, it will be on Fox. Also for fans, Fox's big noon kickoff. Uh, we'll start televising at 10 a.m. live from Bloomington on the south end zone plaza of Memorial Stadium. Uh, should be a cool setup. 
uh, there on the South End Zone Plaza. Should be fun for fans. Uh, yes, it's an early kickoff. Uh, it, it might be a little chilly, but it is fall. It's supposed to be a beautiful fall day in Bloomington for homecoming. Uh, just enjoy the college football weekend down in Bloomington. You don't get many, um, you don't get many games down there uh, every year. So it, it's a, it's supposed to be a fantastic uh, weather day as well. So enjoy it, um, and then come back to HoosierHuddle.com uh, for all your Indiana football news and needs. We'll have uh, all our podcasts leading up, um, leading out of the game, leading up to Maryland as well. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Hoosier underscore huddle. And also a programming note, uh, TJ, I, uh, one more um, thing on Helinski's Hope. I don't know if we shared the website uh, with them on the previous podcast, but for our listeners uh, who, who, who want to know, it's helinskishope.org. Uh, that's H-I-L-I-N-S-K-I-S, hope, H-O-P-E dot org. Uh, a fantastic cause, uh, a real powerful message. I urge everybody to go back and listen to that podcast um, that we yep. put out earlier on Thursday uh, as well. And uh, it is college football's mental health week. You'll see the green uh, Tyler Helinski, um Ribbon on IU's helmet. You'll see people holding up threes at the start of the third quarter uh, as well. And uh, maybe some PSAs during during the game as well. So thank you guys for listening. It's been a, 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 a good preview podcast and we'll be back. We'll be back at it uh, with after the dust settles uh, with Alex Compton and others on Sunday afternoon. Thanks, everybody.